Welcome to Ride Every Stride, episode 51. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm back again with Master Horseman Van Hargis. How you doing, Van? Laura, I'm just absolutely wonderful. How's everything up there in North Texas? I mean, things down here just couldn't be better. It's a spectacularly beautiful weather. The windows are all open and it's fabulous. Awesome. We were up there in the North Texas area not too long ago and and it kind of made me homesick. I mean, I will always be a North Texas guy no matter what. That's just, you know, born and raised in that part of the country. But while we were up there, they had a pretty bad storm. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the things that I like about South Texas is that we get a little bit of rain from time to time, a few little thunder boomers, but we just Flat out, don't have to worry about hurricanes. Well, hurricanes, I guess we have to worry about a little bit down where we are, but they're a little bit too far south for us. But we darn sure don't have to worry about the tornadoes. That, that's such a relief. You know, I never really thought much of it about it when we were up there in that part of the country. And we get lots of questions about it when we tell people we're from Texas. And they think, well, what about those tornadoes? And, you know, really haven't had that worry in the last few years. Um, and it's something that you don't really worry about all the time, but you don't really realize how much it's on your mind, even when you don't think that it is, Yeah, you know? And, and I, it wasn't until I moved down here to South Texas, I, just, I had that kind of relief from that. Didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, we've definitely had some weather this spring. And yeah. uh, so it's nice when we're having days like this, because, you know, it's the end of May as we're recording this. And it's been, you know, cooled down in the mid 50s at night and yeah. um, not humid. So I'm happy. You bet. Well, before we get going, I just wanted my my thoughts and prayers to go out to those folks in Canton, Texas, and that surrounding area because, mm-hmm. you know, not too long ago, that area was hit pretty pretty hard and pretty aggressive by a wayward tornado. And we were driving home from that direction and saw some of the debris on the side of the road. And it was just a, just a reminder of some of the hardships those guys had gone through. So our hearts and thoughts, prayers goes out to those guys. We really appreciate the work that all the first responders do and and uh, and again, just our, our thoughts and prayers go out to those survivors and everybody up there in that part of the country. Well, Laura, if you don't mind, we're gonna we're gonna push on today with with a question. You know, we always encourage folks to send in questions, and most of the time, I just quietly address those questions in what I call like an audio response. And uh, because sometimes my responses get so long that I don't, I, I just don't have that much time to sit down and type that much because I'm I really suck at typing. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll record those messages and and I'll send them via email uh, that recorded response to their question. But this one in particular, we I did already respond to it through what we call that audio response, but I thought it'd also be a great thing to cover for for this week's episode as well, because I know there's there's a few people that run across either this situation or something similar to it. So I thought we would uh, thought we would address it. And it's about aggressive horses, um, you know, that aggressive behavior that some horses might have. And if you don't mind, I'd like to just kind of read the question okay. that, that was sent in to us from a listener from the Alberta area. And as you know, we were just in Alberta not too long ago. But here's the question. First, the comment said, I absolutely love how idiot-proof you make your answers. I have a two-year-old paint that I uh, am looking forward to starting in the next couple of months. I would like to be able to pony uh, the horse on my mare, but she is really aggressive toward other horses. She's a 15-year-old quarter horse that was bottle-fed because her mom didn't give enough milk. 
I got her two years ago, and when I trail ride, she has to be the last or else she will run backwards to kick at the other horses that are following us. Other than disengaging her hips when she does it, I'm at a loss as to what to do uh, at this point, where I'm not worried of her hurting other horses or um, else uh, hurt their horse. Thank you for your help. So I guess the question would be, is it, you know, what would we do with that type of aggressive yeah. horse? And I'm, and I'm, and again, I'm sure just from some of the things that people share with me over time, people have very similar type issues with that. And I'm a big believer that before we address a problem, that we really want to address the cause of the problem. And let's, let's take some information that, that she shared with us. For example, she's a 15 year old mare and she was bottle fed at one point in her life. That bottle feeding right there shows me the big red flag because too many times I've seen horses that were raised in a, in an environment where there probably wasn't enough interaction from other like animals, in this case, of course, horses. And because of that, they really lack some social skills. And what's really strange, and when horses lack those social skills, they simply just don't know how to act. They don't know how to respond whenever something is going on with another horse. And when she mentioned to me that that the horse gets aggressive with other horses and specifically horses that are coming up behind her, that also tells me that because the horse is limited in their vision, she can't see behind her very well. She can't sense what's going on behind her very well. She just knows she's being approached by another horse. Then that triggers that really, believe it or not, a fear response. But because of her lack of social skills and being bottle fed as a youngster, and I guess this is just speculation, but just from my experience, these are things that I've noticed, that what triggers the, the aggressive behavior is not knowing how to behave, not knowing whether or not to accept that horse coming in behind her as a friend or a foe. So what she does is she de- gets immediately defensive and tries to protect herself and how do horses protect themselves? Either through running away from something or through being aggressive. In other words, fear or you know, fight or flight. So obviously with a rider on back, she can't flee. So what she's going to do is turn to the other thing and try to protect her space and, and sometimes be aggressive. So if we can just assume that that might be part of the problem and part of the cause, then now let's get to Tanya's question, which was, so what do I do? What, what, yeah. How can we help the horse? And in order to do that, I just don't think there's a better teacher in the entire world than Mother Nature herself. So when I responded back to Tanya in regard to my audio blog, what I wanted to have have her do is get back to me about social responses with this horse. In other words, is this horse being exposed to other horses, but without a human involved? In other words, just turn them out, put them in a a big turnout area. And I say big turnout area because if she's going to be very aggressive to other horses, even in that natural environment, or at least a more natural environment, then we don't want to give the horse an opportunity to pin up and corner uh, another horse and potentially hurt it. Or you don't want to take another horse and, and hurt her mare because her horse doesn't know how to respond back if the, ho- if the other horse gets aggressive. So we just want to make sure they're in a bigger area so there's plenty of room to move and get away. And quite frankly, just let them sort things out. And so that interaction with each other and with other horses, I think, is a great tool to offer our horses an opportunity to, to work out their own little deals socially. Not that that would solve the problem, but it would at least be a good step towards solving the problem. Go ahead, Laura. Do you think it makes any difference what horses she puts this one out with? Should it be other mares or geldings or a mixture or does it matter? I don't know so much that it matters, except for I'd want it to be other mature horses and not younger horses, younger colts. And for that, and for the reason that the younger horses don't know how to socialize either. 
You know, I mean, they're they're still trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out their place. So if if it were me, I would put her with. <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking her, it would be like it would be like putting you know sending a, a group of teenagers off to teach each other something. Exactly right. Yep. It's you know like hey guys, how are you gonna guys are gonna respond? And without somebody in there that's got some sort of social responsibility, you you might end up with a train wreck. But with this case, I would just put her with other horses, you know, whether it be mares or gildings of certainly not stallions, unless the mares spayed and, you know, can't get pregnant or that sort of thing, unless, of course, you want a baby. But at the same time, I just think it'd be better just to put her with those other types of horses. And then the other thing that she mentioned is that she, while she was trail riding, she didn't know what else to do other than just disengage the mare's hips. In other words, disengage the horse's hindquarter. Well, in my opinion, that's too late. That's being reactive as opposed to being responsive or being proactive. To me, I would want to see the signs that are coming on with my horse before that behavior happens. And if I can see that response and I begin to see that it looks as if it's going to be a negative response, I'm going to do something before the horse acts out. In other words, I want to be ahead of her. I want to, I want to be riding her enough to where I can be a little bit ahead of her. So that I can correct that. But then it forms another question. Correct or how? There we go to another way of thinking of of getting the horse to be more respectful of at least us. If they're not going to be respectful of the other horses and strangers because they don't know those horses well enough to have established a relationship in any way, then at least we can get the horse to be more respectful and more responsive to us. So how would we go about doing that? And what I recommended to Tanya was to simply go and do a tremendous number of groundwork exercises, exercises that you're very familiar with doing, and and master those groundwork exercises, everything from lunging your horse around you in a circle, and not just lunging it, but lunging it correctly. In other words, getting the horse, her body to be in the same arc that the circle that she's lunging, making sure that her nose is tipped in slightly toward you instead of counter-arced away from you. Making sure that if you're asking her to trot, that that's all she's doing. She's doing a nice rhythmic trot. If you're going to ask her to canter, ask her to canter and be in the correct lead, uh, soft on the bridle, a very rhythmic footfall. In other words, all those things you want to, the horse to try to focus on pleasing the teacher in this case. In other words, please me, horse, by the things that I'm requesting you to do, try to do them correctly. And then work with the horse to help her do those things correctly and be very, very picky about that. Because the more the horse stays focused on you and pleasing you uh, and keeps them out of trouble by doing that, by pleasing you, then it teaches the horse to stay focused on its leader, stay focused on its teacher. So there's a tremendous number of exercises that you can do with your groundwork that would get this horse to stay focused on you. Anytime the horse is not focused, you increase the intensity of the exercises. So after a while, the horse realizes that in order to work, in order to work peacefully, all I've got to do is do the work that I've told to do and do it by being attentive to the herd leader or the teacher in this case. And as, as a result, you're developing that tighter, more respectful working relationship with your horse. And then I would take those same types of exercises and I would communicate them from the saddle. In other words, I would continue to do the, the bending and the flexing and the arc, you know, the trotting into circles. All the exercises that I would do on the ground now I would do them in the saddle and probably add a few other exercises too. And again, I'd be very, very picky, meaning that I'd want the horse to do them correctly, and I'd want the horse to be very responsive to me. I'd be watching and paying very close attention to the horse's ears and eyes to make sure that the horse is staying focused on me. And then I would try maybe going out with some friends in a very controlled environment and ask the horse to do some of those same types of exercises 
but with my friends around with their horses. And then when I see the mare getting concerned about what the other horses are doing, then I would focus more intensely on the exercises that I'm doing. And as a result, the horse begins to realize, you know what? My friends and those temptations kind of get me in trouble, but my leader kind of keeps me out of trouble. So after a while, the horse will develop more attentiveness and more concern about her leader more than she will about the other horses. That, again, reminds me of the teenage situation, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want that horse to be thinking more of me rather than being like the teenager that's listening to all the quiet temptations of the teenage friends that just might inadvertently make a bad decision and get them in trouble. But if they're always thinking about mom and dad or whoever those folks are in their life that they truly appreciate and truly respect, that might just keep them just this side of trouble. Do you, um, I just happen to th think of this when you were describing some of these exercises that you do, and I'm trying to picture them in my head. I haven't gone and looked, but do you by any chance have any video demos of those sorts of things in the Top Hand Club library, or are those things that you're going to be putting in there? This is something we're probably going to have to start inviting people to do is whenever they have a situation you know, with an aggressive horse or with any type of behavior they're just not happy with, we're going to start inviting people to start sending those video clips in to us so that we can address those. And then we'll try to simulate a similar situation at the ranch and videotape that and we'll post those. Because you got you to understand too that so many times people run across these problems that are probably the, the, the root of that problem goes back to our foundation training. But that's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean that somebody really screwed up. It's just that, uh, you know, in the foundation training, I mean, it's just that it means that there was something that wasn't really addressed and we didn't know that it wasn't, that it wasn't addressed correctly until a situation comes up. And then sometimes the situation escalates to the point it gets beyond our capability of correcting it. And that's where I really appreciate people contacting us and, and you know, what do we do now? But almost always my answer is let's go back and look at the foundation. You know, let's fix that and then put the horse back in that similar situation and see if the horse is more prepared for that situation. And let's see if we're more prepared in that situation. For example, you've heard me say many a time too, Laura, about the importance of forward movement. Mm -hmm. Well, if we think about the situation with this particular horse and the way uh, our listener described it, is, well, the horse would literally run backwards to kick the other horse. Well, immediately I see a big hole in the foundation there because I'm thinking if you were asking the horse to go forward, what did it have to do in order to go backwards? Yeah. You see, it had to stop. So the problem came, in my opinion, the very minute that the horse quit focusing on the task that I asked it to do, which was forward movement, forward movement down the trail, forward movement down the trail at a walk, or forward movement down the trail at a trot. Anytime something goes wrong with that, I'm going to scream out to the top of my lungs to the audience or whomever's listening, what's the name of my podcast? Yeah. Ride every stride. You yeah. see, so the minute that stride wasn't on target of where you wanted to go, Correct it now, because if you don't, the second, third, fourth, fifth stride or lack thereof could become overwhelming and could become dangerous. So what we want to do is, is it keep the rhythm that we establish. If we ask a horse to walk down the trail, that's the only thing that's correct. The very second this horse tries to stop because it, she's already put her cards on the table, says, hey, you know what? If I stop, I might just start running backwards to try to kick at the other horses. Man, I'm going to take note of that. I'm going to believe the horse. Hey, man, if I allow you to stop, you probably will run backwards and try to kick the other horses. Therefore, yeah. I'm just not going to allow you to stop. Yeah, you're going to keep. You you're going to keep working. You can't run backwards if you're moving forwards. I mean, that's exactly. Kind of simplistic, but there's. I hadn't thought about that. Right. Was, yeah. 
But that's part of the exercises we wanted her to work on, too, is work on your forward motion. Do those exercises. Now, here's another exercise we do a lot of times at clinics, and we do it for various reasons. We do it because, for example, I'm sure there's some listeners out there that have horses that can't stand to be at the back of the crowd. They want to be at the front, so they're always charging and pushing their way to try to get to the front of a trail ride or just in front of the horse that they're riding with. There's other horses that are quite happy to be at the rear, but the rider then is always trying to kick them up and make them go. Or there's other horses, like what our listener here is talking about, this this doesn't socialize very well when they're at the the head of the group. Or there's other horses, too, that have some anxiety with horses moving up behind them. Or there's horses that have the anxiety of horses ahead of them moving ahead of them faster, and they're thinking they're being left behind. So here's an exercise that I do a lot of times. We used to do it at the ranch, but we almost always do it at our clinics. But I'll get a few riders. It can be three, four, five, or more. If if it's in a clinic of ours, it's going to be 10 to 15 people. And we just get them to line up on the outside of the arena, right up against the rail. And everybody, let's say, is walking. And they're just walking quietly. And I'm I'm getting them to focus on the footfall and the rhythm of the horse walking and, and just feel that rhythm. And then who's ever at the back of the pack, I will get that person to ride to the side a little bit and pass everybody to the inside. And just keep trotting until they pass everyone. So everybody else is walking, and now the rider at the back is is starting the trotting motion, and they're going to trot until they get past everyone. Every horse that they pass gets an opportunity to see a horse approach them from the rear, a horse pass them, a horse continue on past them until they get all the way to the front. Now, when that rider gets all the way to the front of the crowd, they very quietly take their horse, still at a trot, and move back to the rail and bring it back down to a walk. Now, what what all took place there? We worked on transitions. We worked on getting the horse to move from a walk to a trot. We got the horse to to pass everyone under control and very quiet and relaxed, get ahead of everybody, and then take its place as the leadership role and just relax and go back to a walk. So there's a lot of things there that we're working on. When that happens, then the next person that's at the end does the same thing. And we just keep repeating that process. It's almost like playing an equine version of leapfrog. Everybody's going to get a chance to go in front. And when you go in front, the horses get a chance to get that feeling of somebody approaching them from the, from the rear. And yet the rider on the horses that are, that are being approached from behind, they get a chance to keep their horse focused on the walk and getting the horse to stay focused on them and not be too concerned about the horses that are passing them. And depending on the, the, the advanced level of my riders, sometimes we'll do the same thing at a trot. Sometimes we'll get everybody to do it at a lope. And then the guy that's passing has to lope faster. But what it does, it just gives the horse an opportunity to experience different places along the trail, so to speak. They can be the leader. They can be the follower. They can be the horses in the middle. And what they learn to do is they learn to stay focused on the rider at all times, regardless of the position they're in, you see. So again, it just gets us a chance to stay focused or or gives us our, our horses a chance to stay focused on us. And it gives us a chance to develop our leadership regardless of where we are in that. And at the same time, we're working with some of those other cool things, too, such as we mentioned the, the speed control, the, the transition control. All those things are just fun to do. And, of course, we, you know, at a clinic, we poke fun and have, you know, laughs and joke around with everybody in different positions uh, just, just because it's, it's fun. We just want to make it fun for everyone. And so that, that's something that Tanya or somebody like, you know, with, with a horse that's got a similar situation or do, who just wants to have a better experience trail riding or doing whatever, they could just get a group of friends together and do something similar without you there to make fun of them. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that, that's such a good point. I mean, a lot of times whenever we have trail riding problems, we really don't realize they're trail riding problems until, of course, we We're get the to trail. the trail. So, but what, once the horse, I call it putting the cards on the table. Once the horse puts their cards on the table and says, hey, mom, you know what? When I go out on a trail, I might not always act like I do when I'm at home. Uh, because at home, we're oftentimes riding by ourselves. There's not other horses around. So what I will do is I'll kind of create my own little trail ride. I'll get friends to come over and we'll ride in the arena. Or we'll go on a little simulated trail, maybe down the road or or maybe haul our horses somewhere. But today, we're not going to work on just sightseeing and that sort of thing and, and communicating. Today, we're going to work on horsemanship. We're going to work on some of the stuff that our horses have kind of showed us that that they've got some weaknesses in. And we want to always reward and, and applaud our horses for having their strengths, but we also want to know about and then be in a position to correct the horse's weaknesses so that we can convert those weaknesses from weaknesses to strengths. I like that. I, I mean, that, that that actually sounds like it might be kind of fun, too, if you've got a bunch of trail riding buddies one day, instead of going out just for a trail ride, actually get to together with a purpose of working on those skills and, and doing some of these exercises you've talked about, it actually could be a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, in the end result, it's not only you're socializing with your friends, your, host, your horses are socializing, but at the same time, to me, it just always feels good to know that I'm doing something for my horses. Or what if my horse is really, really good, but a friend's horse is not? It makes me feel good to know that I'm doing something for my friend. You know, we're getting an opportunity to, to make ourselves better, make our horses better, which in turn, then we really do go on a big trail ride that we go off and maybe we haul off out of state and we go see a really good trail we've been wanting to, wanting to experience for quite some time. Now we can enjoy that more with because we don't have to worry so much about the problems. Yeah, you know? I like that. So, okay, you've given a lot of suggestions for Tanya and people who, you know, have horses that do similar kinds of things. Anything we missed or anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up this episode? Well, I just want to, here's my disclaimer, and that's that without actually being there and seeing the situation, it's very, very difficult to answer these questions specifically. For example, I had another question come up not so long ago. Well, you told such and such who happens to be a friend of mine to do this with your horse, and now you're telling me to do that with my horse, and which do I do? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe do both, maybe do neither. I don't know. Uh, people ask me that question a lot, Laura. So, well, what do you do in this situation? And, and just like my mentor, oftentimes my response is, well, it depends. I don't know what I'm going to do. The horse will tell me what I need to do. And I don't mean tell me like the Mr. Ed voice. I mean, tell me because of their actions and they're basically communicating to me what they know or what they don't know. Yeah. And if what they know is uh, not so good, then it's up to me to change it. If they don't know something, then it's up to me to teach them. But either way, those, both of those situations puts me in a position to become a better horseman and a better leader in the horse's eyes at that stage. But sadly, I, I just don't know what I would do. So oftentimes I tell people, well, I don't know, I might do such and such, or I might do this. So there's my disclaimer. You know, there's really no real answer, but goes back to another episode we talked about before. I really want folks to focus on the why. If you focus on the why of things, there is a whole array of hows and things that you can do to address certain issues and certain problems. If we just understand the why and then we prioritize those whys um, before you know it, we're going to come up with our own little solutions. All I ever ask of anybody is think about your solutions or your approaches to your solutions very carefully. 
make sure that you kind of go back to those same four questions. You know, what do you want very specifically? And is what you want fair for the horse from where they are right now and for what you know right now? Can you, can you communicate what you want in a way that you and your horse both can understand? And then lastly, can you measure the horse's performance as you're going through those first three stages? So by putting those things together, I think it really helps us figure out the hows yeah. if we just understand the whys. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because your whole the whole answer that you gave and the suggestions you were giving here were predicated on the assumption that the reason the horse is doing this is because of some socialization deficits from, you know, from when it was a young horse. And if there's a different reason why it's doing what it's doing, you know, the the answer might be slightly different. I, I would think the suggestions you gave are going to be helpful regardless of the reason why, but without actually working with the horse, seeing what it's doing and in what circumstances, any answer is going to be, you know, the good old, <laughs> the good old lawyer answer to every question, which is, well, it depends. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's very interesting to me. I don't, my horses are not particularly aggressive, but I've seen situations like that. And, and actually just hearing your explanation and your suggestions for, for Tanya, have given me some ideas of some things I can do to deal with some other issues. And I'm guessing that, you know, people listening may have the same experience. Maybe your horse isn't aggressive toward other horses, but you still have some leadership issues you need to deal with or some socialization issues that need to be dealt with by leadership. And so great suggestions here. I would encourage anybody who's listening, who's got follow-up questions to share those. Uh, Van likes to answer questions. And, and obviously we get some real good topics for the podcast from questions like this. I'm usually, if you've got a question or an issue with your horse, there probably are others who could learn from the answer. So send your questions, either share them on the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page or email them to info at vanhargis.com so that Van can help, help come up with some suggestions for how, how to respond. Van, I know you've got a bunch of stuff coming up in the, you know, as we're recording this, it's the end of May in 2017 uh, and kind of getting into real active horse season, especially in the Northern parts of the United States, but you've got tons of places you're going. I know those are all in your schedule on the website at vanhargis.com. Anything you want to highlight or mention to people? Well, one thing we want to mention, um, there's another event that we've done for years, uh, or we did that we did years ago. In fact, we did it a couple of times, but it's been a good while back. And we just recently received an invitation to go to the Equine Affair in West Springfield, Massachusetts. That's always been a, a big favorite event of mine, just because it's on the e in, you know in the east and in the northeast area, and it always draws such a huge crowd. The last year that we went to that, Laura, that that event drew 80,000 people in four days' time. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they had over 80,000 people come through their gates. And to me, in doing what I do and having the opportunity to visit and talk to the people that I get to visit with, that's just like a, a huge highlight event for me. So I'm, I'm just so honored that the, the folks decided to have us come back to that one uh, later on this fall. So we're really looking forward to that one. But in the meantime, we've got a boatload of other events that we're going to that are coming up very quickly. First and foremost, we've got one coming up soon. It's going to be in Rhinebeck, New York. And while we're up there, we're going to be touring some other barns in, around that uh, area there in New York. And actually, we're going to go to Long Island area as well. So um, we hope that 
listeners will pop in and see us either at the clinic or come and see us at some of those barns. And some of those barns we'll announce uh, on our website very soon and as well as on our Facebook page. So we, we really encourage people to come out and visit with us and see us. So be sure to check the website periodically. You can find Van's schedule there and they update it when new events are added. But if you're not following the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page, you should definitely do that because things get announced there pretty quickly. And you can see if he's coming to your area and you can either watch him in action or at least come and say hi. And if you look at his schedule and he's not coming to your area, that doesn't mean he can't come to your area. So I would encourage you to send an email to info at vanhargis.com and ask what it takes to uh, host a clinic in your area, get get a group of people together and learn to be better horsemen and horsewomen. Now, Warren, we do encourage people to, to send in messages to us at info at vanhargis.com, but to even make it more convenient, there's a tab on our website more specifically to the clinics, and all they have to do is just kind of click on that. But if it doesn't answer a question for you on there as to how to host a clinic, um, then, of course, feel free to contact us. We'll be tickled to death to, to try to work out any questions. And while you're on the website, be sure to check out the Top Hand Club. I mentioned it earlier. I don't know what to, what all videos are there now. I haven't checked recently to see what new stuff is there. But if hearing Van explain things is great, but seeing him demonstrate them on video is even better. And that's just one of the many benefits of the Top Hand Club. There's an ever-growing library of video tutorials that could answer a lot of questions that you have. And that's all included in the monthly uh, subscription fee for the Top Hand Club. We've talked about that a lot before. Be sure and check it out and join while it's still... Are there any spaces left in the in the charter member rate? Honestly, Laura, I haven't checked in a little while. I just know the last time we did check, we're getting dangerously close to that thousand member mark. So, um, and of course, we're only going to go up a slight amount, but that we were really proud to be able to offer the charter membership uh, for only $4.95. And that is still available for a while. Okay. So if you've thought about joining, do it now while it's still at $4.95 a month because it's going to go up. Still will be a great value even at a higher price, but why not get it? I I can be as much a cheapskate as anybody else. So why not get it at the lower rate if you can? And it stays at that rate even for you as long as you stay a member. So I think that's pretty much it. Ben, any last words before we wrap up? You know, all I want to say, Laura, is always, I, I'm so grateful and so thankful for the industry, and I'm so thankful for the folks that make up the horse industry, and um, I'm even more grateful and humbled by the folks that listen to Ride Every Stride, and, uh, and and thank you guys for listening, but at the same time, a big thank you goes out to the folks that, that take the time to send us the messages, take the time to send us their comments, and, uh, and those that help us with our content by sending in the questions or the concerns that they have, so... We want to encourage folks to continue to do that and and just know that we're thinking about you guys and very grateful to have you out there listening to us. But with that said, Laura, I just want to remind everybody that remember, it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey. So ride every stride. Mm -hmm.